This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Well, we're back doing another show. How you guys been? Good. Excellent. Yeah? Surviving amidst everything? I mean, you're not in Texas, not freezing your butt off, right? Oh, nope. Texas. Poor guys. I came this close to washing the car today. It was like plus five. So what's that? You know, 40-something degrees Fahrenheit out. I mean, I have seven feet of snow on my front lawn at where the snowbank is. <laughs> and I, I could have washed the car. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I know. It's crazy. Crazy weather. Um, I don't know. We're still in the snow belt rate. It is actually starting to warm up a little bit, but I'm, I'm so fed up with the snow and stuff. I mean, we missed our, our trip to Florida, which is usually the reset for me in the wintertime. But unfortunately, yeah. But there are some positive things, though. Um, I thought we'd start off the show by watching the most intense and, and unbelievable three minutes that we've experienced probably in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to share something out with you guys, and uh, we're going to rewatch Perseverance's landing. It's about three minutes long. It's about three minutes long. We are starting to straighten up and fly right maneuver, where the spacecraft will jettison the entry balance masses in preparation for parachute deploy and to roll over to give the radar a God, better look epic. at the ground. Mm-hmm. in the cage. Shoot deploy. The navigation has confirmed that the parachute has deployed, and we are seeing significant deceleration. Did you guys know that was an encoded message? Dare, dare, mighty things. Yeah. meters per second at an altitude of about 12 kilometers from the surface of Mars. Look at the aero shell drop in a way. Heat shield set. Perseverance has now slowed to subsonic speeds, and the heat shield has been separated. This allows both the radar and the cameras to get their first look at the surface. Current velocity is 145 meters per second and an altitude of about 10 km, nine and a half kilometers above the surface. Um, it's in free fall now. I'm going to zoom ahead a little bit and we can watch uh, the rest of this. Six kilometers from the surface of Mars. The so now it's under powered the descent. Has separated. We are currently performing the divert maneuver. Current velocity is about 75 meters per second and an altitude of about a kilometer off the surface of Mars. Now we're here on safety, descent. Bravo. We have completed our terrain relative navigation. Current speed is about 30 meters per second, altitude of about 300 meters off the surface of Mars. Here comes we have the started dust. our constant velocity accordion, which means we are conducting the sky crane. This is epic. Watch this. Oh, that's the coolest thing ever. Like you'd swear it was a sim. 20 meters off the surface. I know, it's nuts. Look at that. Just dropping, 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 and then there's touchdown. And then the cables are cut. Tango Delta. And there goes. Confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past life. That was crazy. And what was crazy about that, too, was that all the data that's coming back from the orbiter, all the data that's coming back from the lander, all of that, it's minutes behind what actually happened. So by the time we got it, it was like seven plus minutes after 12. it actually made touchdown. Yeah. So we're, we're all like, all right, I, I, remember, I remember texting you guys going, well, uh, Perseverance is down. We know it's on the surface. We're just waiting for confirmation, but like it's basically there. Well, it's either crashed or it's actually landed. Yeah, yeah. Either there in one piece or many pieces. That yeah. mm -hmm. exactly and that's right. the thing that's really quite impressive with this stuff is because of the delay, it's 12, 12 minutes. It's 22 minutes as a round trip if you're going to send it messages. 
is this stuff has to be completely automated. Mm-hmm. There is no, okay, do this, do this, do this. It's like it, the, the whole thing has to be done completely by itself. Anyways, really looking forward to seeing a lot more information from this. This is this is pretty epic. I mean, the fact that they put... The only thing that failed was um, one of the cameras looking up, uh, looking at the parachutes, they had a failure. Yeah. And then the, uh, one of the microphones on the, on the rover, they were hoping to... Uh, uh, to catch one of the... Uh, uh, well, actually, they had two microphones. They had a redundant one, so they did get a little bit of noise in terms of... They didn't catch the landing part, but mm-hmm. they subsequently uh, captured a little bit of wind noise or something like that. So, anyways. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing a lot more stuff on the Perseverance thing. So, yeah, we've been uh, really looking forward to seeing some of this. Science! Stuff. Yes, science rules, guys. Anyways, so that's the fun part. Uh, we have some Tesla stuff we want to talk about tonight, so we're going to get into that. And then a little bit later, we're going to have a little bit of a chit-chat about Cybertruck. I know, Ian, you wanted to get in have your own little personal rant on the whole thing. A little bit. A little, <laughs> a bit. little, a little bit? Okay. It's All about right. time, man. I've, I've been waiting <laughs> to have one of you guys like just go off for like nine minutes. <laughs> no, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, we're going to try something a little different here tonight. I'm going to be sharing out a uh, some tabs here so you guys can follow along on what we're talking about. Look at this. All right. First tweet. Um, actually, it looks like Tesla's driver profiles are finally have some indication that uh, they're moving to the cloud. This is our friend Green, on uh, great, great hacker on, on Twitter, who's discovered uh, this little bit here. I'm just going to read it off here verbatim. It says, this script is designed to be run at least at the end of every firmware installed. Uh, its purpose is to migrate previously global vehicle data and settings into profile settings. As more types of data and settings migrate to become uh, per profile, the script will incrementally move each new piece across once move the original global yada 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 i'm not going to read the whole thing at this point but the bottom line here is that we're looking at the possibility of uh finally the the first indications that uh the driver profiles are indeed moving to the cloud which is something that elon said that they wanted to do for some time obviously for robo taxi and stuff that comes comes into play but I, I, i there there are many times where it'd be really nice to like if you have a fleet of cars and uh, you want your driver profiles to float between them. That's that's a nice feature. I mean, you get all your settings, like radio channels and all that other stuff. So I think it's a long time coming. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... It's cool. I mean, there's no question it's cool. I mean, it's not the biggest thing I've been looking forward to, but it's like every little, every little upgrade counts, right? Every... What, what are you looking forward to, Ian? Well, getting FSD beta in Canada, <laughs> that would be a nice start. Wouldn't yeah, it? for some of us who paid for it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. There's a whole discussion going on right now as far as uh, what's taking so long. I mean, why they keep increasing. I mean, uh, that's beyond the scope of today. But yeah, yeah, it's a whole other discussion. But yeah, you're asking me. You know, that's that's one. And I'll I'll be the first to admit. I, as opposed to everybody else on planet Earth, I'm not. I don't need to be one of the the, the bleeding edge beta testers. I'm perfectly happy to wait till some fairly well baked version of it comes out, and I don't have to like super watch everything it's doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the big question mark, and I'm, I'm fairly certain this is the reason they're holding back on giving it to us right now is because they want the winter to go through. Cause I still don't understand how they're going to stall the, the camera blocking part of it. You know, that's, that is a giant, giant question for me. Speaking of which, since we're on the topic, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here. Let's talk about FSD real quick. Uh, the whole Mars blog catalog on Twitter said that, uh, this FSD thing is going to be really big. Elon came back and replied, says, most people have no idea, even though there are so many FSD progress videos posted, Monroe un- understood this right away, there will be a gap before the next release, but then it will be a step change for the better. Tesla solving a major real-world AI problem. 
So that's the latest we have on the FSD thing. So mm -hmm. don't look for any kind of updates anytime soon. And then someone hopped on and asked uh, Elon uh, what the situation was. Uh, oh, no, it's our friend John from Silicon Valley Owners Club um, saying that FSD was amazing. Uh, Elon was responding that we're upgrading all the neural nets to surround video, including subnets on local areas and many other things. So more time is needed to validate and write the software, maybe something next week. So kind of delay, um, kind of explain some of the delays that are going on. Um, again, no information as to when we're going to see it in Canada or maybe even Norway, because that was the other uh, country that we're expecting to see. So anyways, that's the, that's the latest that we have on, uh, on the FSD thing. Uh, let's jump around here. We're doing some, some Elon tweets. Uh, the next one, if I can get it to come up here. Now, if you've been paying attention, Model Y standard range plus is gone. It's been taken off the configurator, made all the news earlier this week, and everybody was asking what the heck is going on. Um, someone had asked Elon, does this mean that the long range rear wheel drive reservations will be made to offer more range. You mentioned that a while back. Elon replied, says, we have too much product complexity already. So it appears that SR Plus is dead. And I was kind of surmising, well, maybe it left a bit of room for a long-range rear-wheel drive, which is perfectly feasible. Uh, Elon went on to say that uh, he, said he felt that the SR Plus uh, didn't meet their expectations. So mm -hmm. it's sad to see. It's sad to see. Um, someone had sent us a question, which we'll answer a little bit later in the show, uh, that kind of ties in with us a little bit. But that's the latest that we have on the SR Plus. I do have another tweet here that I'm going to bring up. We can show. And if it will load on my screen. There we go. Why was the SR standard range Y removed? And he says, he says it's still available off menu. For how long? Limited time only. You know how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so he says he doesn't think the range in many drive conditions yet meets Tesla's standard of excellence. So obviously he's talking about the winter because winter can be pretty mm -hmm. brutal on range for these cars. Um, again, our usual recommendation, if you live in a colder climate, spend the money where you can't upgrade and let's put it into the battery. Right, Ian? Indeed. Although I got to say, I was heartbroken to see it go because it was such an incredible value just just for my all my friends here in Quebec, because it was eligible for, um, the, rebate. for the, uh, the rebate, exactly the $8,000 provincial rebate. And that made it a real bargain for somebody who wanted, you know, needed the space. They have families, they need a whole lot of stuff. And now it kind of puts it back out of reach for uh, for some folks. So yeah. I think you know, I sort of appreciate where they were going with it, but when people compare what you were getting, you know, value-wise in terms of the range it would offer, I think compares very well to the, the competition. What else can you buy that has that much cargo space and would still go, you know, close to 400 kilometers or, you know, whatever it was, 240, 250 miles? So I don't get it. It's, it's, there's something more to the story. I, I, there's a lot of people saying, well, maybe there just wasn't enough margin in it. Well, then bump it up another thousand, two thousand bucks. It's still a great price point for people. Um, I'd like to know if there's more to that story. I don't know. I, I understand that for the folks who were looking for um, an entry level version of these vehicles, I totally understand that. But like, I guess a way to think about this is if I look at internal combustion cars uh, on dealer lots, you're not buying, you don't get the option of, so what size gas tank would you like? How, how far do you want to go in your Ford F-150, right? Like there, the, a lot of the skeletal changes from one vehicle to the next have nothing to do with how far the car is going to go. And ultimately, I feel like it's range efficiency is a big thing. And, you know, I understand from Elon's perspective, we want to make it easier on us to get these cars out. 
uh, and to produce them. And we understand there is a desire, but the hope I would have too is that the U.S. government, uh, we have heard this in the news recently, could potentially reinstate some of the incentives for purchasing an electric vehicle, which if that were to be the case, would be a boon to those who are sort of now at a loss of getting an entry-level electric car like the SR Plus, but then also go, well, hey, now I can actually see a tax savings if I do end up getting a more so, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be something that they tie in together at the same time. We'll see how that pans out in the months to come with government. But those are things you can hope for. But ultimately, you know, when, if someone's looking at, uh, you know, a 40000 car, I'm sorry, $40,000 car versus $48,000, like, I mean, yes, it adds up with interest and everything else, but is it really going to be that difficult for some people? Yes. Uh, is it something that's going to deter someone from buying it if there's incentives in their state or across the country? Maybe not. Uh, and that certainly varies U.S., Canada, overseas, and everything else. Um, but I think I think it's going to be helpful that if those things materialize, that, you know, you may end up getting a much better vehicle for around what you would have paid for if those things all come together. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, speaking of incentives, uh, there was a little bit of breaking news today. Let me just bring this up here for our friends in Nova Scotia, Canada. Aha, guess what? You guys are going to get a rebate. Um, Nova Scotia is the fourth province. Currently, there's only three provinces that offer a provincial rebate. Ontario dropped out in 2018 after uh, our government elected uh, Rob Ford, or Doug Ford, I should say. Anyways, uh, so it looks like the government of Nova Scotia is uh, going to be offering up to $3,000 in um, electric vehicle incentives um, for new cars and uh, a $2,000, up to $2,000 for used cars and trucks. And uh, there are a few other things, too. There are also some incentives for e-bikes and also mm -hmm. some referral credits, too. So if you refer somebody, you get a little bit and some other stuff. So good news on that front. Again, it still qualifies for the EV rebate at the federal level. So if you combine both with, you know, with cars that qualify, again, we don't have all the details at this point. Probably wouldn't surprise me that capped out at about $55,000, much like the federal rebate, but you could potentially get up to $8,000 off. So pretty much matching what's going on in Quebec, right, Ian? Yeah, in Quebec, we get 8000 from the province, and in the case of Model 3 SR, that also qualifies from 5 for Oh, so it's, so it's 8000 All right. So it's a crazy know. deal. Yeah, it's, we, yeah, we go through zillions and zillions of 3 SRs around here. Well, that's why there's so many EVs in Quebec and why they're doing so well. We had a really good program, obviously, up until uh, 2018. Uh, Ontario qualified for up to $14,000. Now, of course, we didn't have a federal rebate. Um, that came after the fact when that was all canceled. So, uh, yeah, right now we only have BC... Quebec and uh, Nova Scotia out of all the provinces that offer an EV uh, incentive at the provincial level, and then you still have the federal. Uh, Ontario, well, for whatever reason, we're uh, we're in the backwaters again on that front. And I, I do want to stress this. I mean, this I feel like this ties in a bit to what's happening in Texas here in the U.S. We've seen around the world where countries and governments provide incentives for going with green technologies, whether it's solar panels, whether it's... Um, uh, low energy appliances, uh, if it's electric vehicles, whatever it might be. If you're buying something that's going to improve the energy efficiency of your home or um, have products that help to decarbonize the atmosphere and governments are willing to help you fund that through your taxpayer dollars that go into these government programs that are essentially are grants uh, and, and paybacks, we find that that's very helpful. Those nations tend to do very well yeah. with making that transition. And we see a, a you know, a government in Texas that wants to 
have less governance, right? They want to have less restrictions on the way they operate. And we saw as a result of uh, Winter Storm Uri, what that means and how a lot of people are now having skyrocketing electric bills. There was a report that came out today that um, because of their deregulation, they've now seen about 28 billion with a B dollars extra now required by homeowners using the electric grid than had they been regularly the United States. $28 billion more coming out of the state of Texas because of energy. And ideally, like that's that's not how you help to decarbonize our atmosphere. So I, I would I would I just I really hope, I really, really do hope that people who are interested, whether you follow the show religiously or whether you don't, um, and I, this is not to make it political by any means, but if you are earnestly interested in the future of our planet, um, find it useful to maybe call your representatives in local government, state government, federal government, uh, write letters, whatever it takes to let them know what you believe. If there is some news that comes out with the potential, like we have now in Nova Scotia, where there's this new program coming out, if you're interested, let them know you're interested. Even if you're not in the market today, maybe 18 months from now when your lease is up, you will be getting an electric car. Do everything you can to not only support the programs, but to encourage additional programs to do that because the more we embrace these programs, the more we incentivize these transitions to going green, uh, the better off we'll all be in the long run. And governments know it saves money. Like you're going to expend this money up front, but if you don't have how all these decarbonization programs trying to clean the air, clean the streets, clean buildings, you, you save a lot of money and you save the health of many, many taxpayers. Yeah, health is, is a very important one because yeah. that's a very uh, overlooked fact here because, you know, pollution and stuff affects everyone. So if you can fix that, you also fix some healthcare problems too along the ways. So. If I could just throw something in on there, uh, Eric, that uh, touches exactly on what you're talking about. This week on, um, I don't know if you guys listen ever to uh, Chris Hayes. He has, he's uh, obviously mm-hmm. the anchors on MSNBC, but he has a fantastic podcast called With Pod. Why is this happening? Uh, right. I love listening to it. And he had on a guy a couple of days ago, David Roberts. He goes by the handle on Twitter of Dr. Volts. He's an expert on energy and politics and so on, runs a fantastic blog site on this. Mm-hmm. And he had him on the show to talk about how the U.S. power grid works and the infrastructure and like what the incentives are, you know, the profit incentives and how the companies are incentivized to, to do everything very old school. And he talks in depth about what happened in Texas and why isn't so obvious. And it's just not a bunch of flashy talking points in the media. Anyway, I highly recommend it for anybody in the U.S. or anywhere in the world who wants to understand how the power grid system works there. What works? It's complicated. It's very, very complicated, but also very archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So I I can't recommend that one enough. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. David Roberts on WithPod. Excellent. We'll have to look that up. Um, tying into renewables and solar panels, well, we do have a little bit of information, a little update here from Elon. Someone had asked him, when will the solar roof be available in Canada? Because right now all the focus is on the U.S. And he said later this year, I have a reservation for panels, not the solar roof. The solar roof is just too expensive. I just did my roof. I don't need that. But I'd be very interested in panels. Mm-hmm. And still to this time, uh, no movement on that front at all. I mean... If I really, if I was really desperate, I could, you know, go to another company or something like that. But I, I'd kind of like to have the Tesla system. So, anyways, anyway, I, I jumped in. Nah, I didn't hear back from them. So, sadly, on that front, nothing's really going on. Um, any thoughts on that before we move on to some Starlink information? No, not really. I, I know a lot of folks who are here in Florida who have had orders for the paneling and are waiting 
and waiting <laughs> and waiting. <laughs> and some of it, some of it is production on Tesla's end. Some of it is um, permits uh, here in South Florida. So it, it's weird how we're the sunshine state and we make it very hard to get solar panels installed. That's always um, baffled me. It's always been weird. But you know what? I, it, I, I will tell you, I understand part of the complications with it. I really do. Um, you know, part of it is that every locality has its own restrictions, uh, staffing, um, applications, uh, all of that stuff, right? Some, sometimes they're, it's the order in which we get them. Sometimes they're split out based on what kind of permit request it is. Uh, so, so that's complicating it because if you live in one county, it could differ in how they process it versus the neighboring county. Um, but at the same time, there is, you know, I don't think the demand is there quite yet to really kind of knock on Elon's mind to be like, uh, yeah, this is also needs to be a focus because a lot of customers are sort of impatient with this. Um, the solar roofing thing, that I understand sort of being a slow out the gate process, but the solar panels, they've been, that's been a thing that they've had for years now. And I know that the Buffalo uh, facility has been sort of ramping up production over there of those various cells, but it is kind of weird that there's still a lot of lag in that. But um, hopefully, hopefully the next quarterly call, hopefully that can be something that can be mentioned and, and see what movement has been from now his tweet to the actual quarterly call and see what they've really done at that point. Well, I'll keep my eye on that because uh, that's something I would very seriously consider. Um, just a little bit of information on the Starlink. Matter of fact, I got an email from uh, from the guys at SpaceX today saying, hey, you want to reserve your Starlink? And I'm like, I don't really need 150 <laughs> 150 megabits. I, I get gigabit now, so I'm going to pass on that. But anyways, someone was asking on uh, Twitter um, to Elon, asking about the active coverage map, and Elon said that the plan is to have most of the Earth covered by uh, by the end of this year, by all of it by next year, uh, and then it's about densifying the coverage. Important to note that cellular will always have the advantage in dense urban areas. Satellites are best for low to medium population density. So don't think that Starlink is going to fix your internet problems right. unless you really live way out in the boonies and the cottage. I mean, it's really for something like the cottages and the places that, that can't get like a proper landline. Like I have cable uh, for my internet, that type of thing. So... Uh, but I, I think there there is a place for it. I think that might be interesting, provided that we can make it work. Is like mounting something like that in the back of the Cybertruck, so when you go camping, you can just have it go like that. Big time, right? I'd be Big awesome. Oh, That'd yeah. be awesome. I'd li I'd like to do that. Am I the only person concerned about space debris? You know, it's funny you mention that because <laughs> every time I see like the launches and stuff, I'm like. Man alive, there's, there's a lot of junk up there. But, I mean, it is, space is a big place. I mean, it can't be like Wally, -E, you know, where they take off and it goes <laughs> through the junk belt as they, uh, yeah. But a lot of the stuff that's in, a lot of the stuff that's in low Earth orbit, or LEO, as we like to call it, Leo. Um, it, it, there, there's, NASA has to track all of that stuff to find out when they're launching things or no what right. windows are clear to me, you know? No. So I, I can imagine you just, you know, some private company launching a whole bunch of satellites over and over and over again. At some point, you kind of go... God, there's a lot of stuff up there. And so, I mean, imagine if some random piece of debris that came off of a dead satellite somewhere else that's now basically burned up in the atmosphere or some component from a shuttle that happened years ago or some space jump. Like, imagine something just hitting one of those and oh. all of a sudden, like, there's, like, it just, that knocks that part out and people are like, where's my internet? I just wonder long-term, you know, how, how's it all going to work I'm out? Sure, it's, it's, I'm yeah. sure you guys have seen the damage of a piece of space debris flying at 17,500 miles per hour, the size of a grain of sand, the kind oh, yeah. of damage it can do. Catastrophic. 
Who is it? Which lab is it that has the cannon that simulates that? I think it's a railgun cannon. Uh, probably, but I did see a piece of like that I think it's just like aluminum. It's got a big hole in it like this, and that just comes from yeah. the grain of sand hitting at that velocity. Yeah. So yeah, they, it's no doubt that they have to track that stuff. The thing is with the with the satellites, the Starlink satellites, is that they're relatively small. They're very low orbit. We're not talking 400 miles up here. They're, right. they're very low, and they have uh, a little bit of maneuverability because they have ion drives uh, on board, so they can move them around. But they but they have a finite life. They're actually designed after a certain amount of like couple of years, whatever, to burn up. Uh, don't quote me on that as far as the timeline is concerned. But they are designed to to burn up, so they're not going to be up there indefinitely. But, so they definitely deorbit. Yes, yeah, they're they're playing. I mean, the the first uh, batch that they sent up that uh, they were called Tintin or something like that. Um, they're they're to be de- uh, they are to be decommissioned fairly soon, I think, because they were the first test bed and stuff. So, anyways, yes, there's a lot of junk being thrown up. Imagine what the bottom of the oceans look like too. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I got to get track of my, okay. So let's talk a little bit. Now you guys won't be able to see the video, but I will show the viewers, uh, who are watching on YouTube. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, I apologize, but we got our you first guys, look. You don't even care. <laughs> we got, <laughs> we actually got our first look at the refreshed, uh, model S interior. I'm going to play. If it will come up, there we go. Um, so it looks like it's in factory mode. So the person gets into the back and shows you the, the, the new entertainment screen in the back, uh, the updated doors. This one is a cream interior car. There it is in factory mode. There's bits of the, um, the dash that are not installed quite yet. Interestingly, a round steering wheel, not the yoke. It looks like the yoke thing still hasn't seen, um, our friends at kilowatts down in, um, San Francisco, been driving around been seeing lots and lots of these refreshes model S, but nobody has spotted the yoke yet. So I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so like I said, the car is in factory mode. Uh, still has the, you know, the big binnacle, the horizontal screen, which is gorgeous, by the way. I really like that. I mean, we knew for some time that when Tesla was going to get around to refreshing the Model S, that they were going to go to horizontal screen. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So anyways, looking forward to that. I did have somebody reach out to me today and offer me uh, a chance to review one as soon as he gets it. He's expecting to have it sometime next month. So I'm looking forward to be able to check out that car when I get it. Any thoughts on this? I mean, I'm hoping that the materials are, are good. The fit and finish is so, good. So when I when you saw this video, um, which I think the first time I saw it was courtesy of our friend Raj when he tweeted out the video. Yeah. Um, the f- two thoughts I had were, number one, I know the car is not a finished interior. You can see there's different components missing, as you noted, uh, which makes me think that this is a prototype, an early prototype. Uh, and number two, I th- it's possible that the yoke is not a standard steering wheel. It could be part of a special package that's yet to be released, or at least, at least not mentioned on the site, um, that could be released at a later time. Because we know that oftentimes the f- initial rollouts have one design, and all of a sudden go, hey, we're changing the center console, everybody. Hey. So it could be that the yoke is something that's down the line. It could be now waiting for approval um from various well, agencies it's funny you say that because but, um, i'm actually going to look at the tesla website right now and look at the model s and uh, check the interior here uh, yeah but uh, but it, but like i said I, it, I i think that there could be initially the first production vehicles could have the round steering wheel and then at some point the yoke is introduced yeah let me just go search for it here real quick yeah, I, I think it was mentioned on the u.s site they show the yoke in the photograph um, I'm on the Canadian site, so I'm going to switch over to the U.S. site here. So. Well, I was looking for that, Ian. You said you were going to go on with something? 
Yeah, no, I I just I was kind of with you. I figured this is going to be an option one way or another because it was mentioned at some point. It it originally like the yoke was standard, and oh, if you want a conventional round wheel, well, we'll hook you up. We'll give you that option type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was all the controversy as you know, is NHTSA going to allow this? And I mean, you know, there's nothing specifically in the regs that says you can't, but you know. I don't know how anal they're going to be about it, but yeah, to Trevor's point, there it is. It's it's still on the website. It's as, on the American site, but it doesn't show on the Canadian site. Version. Yeah. So, and yet, all of the prototype cars, as we've said, are so far rolling around with the round ones. So, mm-hmm. on on the Rogan on the Joe Rogan show, Elon was talking like this is a done deal. He says, "Oh yeah, don't worry, you're going to love it. It does this, it does that. It's right. Uh, it was all in on it. So, I mean, I think people put too much stock in prototypes. Anyway, I mean, the Model 3 didn't have the wheels, uh, didn't have the matte finish that we saw when they were first showcased uh, in 2016. So, like, people need to just, like, calm down, you know, whenever, (laughs) whenever, right, whenever there is a vehicle out for testing, it could be they're doing something specific. And for right now, having the standard steering column could just be an easier way of doing certain uh, performance tests versus having the yoke installed. And, you know, while it's one vehicle out of who knows how many prototypes they have, not every prototype might be out in plain view for Joe Smith to go see. It could very well be that it's track tested, it's in certain places where it's it's, it's camouflaged. I mean, there could be a number of things we don't know. We've seen photographs before this video release uh, from this past week where the videos, like, you can't tell, you can't see the inside. It's tinted, it's at a certain distance, it's fuzzy pictures. So... This is one look out of who knows how many that there could be out there. Um, but I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into this specific video, into thinking anything when we know this could just be the first of many. Well, by by all intents, it looks like these cars are actually going to be delivered next month, not this month as originally planned. So I think maybe the yoke thing is probably part of the delay situation because they were supposed to start production. And yes, they have been producing pre-production cars, which we've actually seen, but none have been delivered yet. So I think it's mm-hmm. still up in the air. I think maybe this, this steering wheel thing probably still has something to do with the fact that we haven't actually seen any deliveries yet. Anyways, it's just and speculation del- at this point. But. Well, that and delivering a car on March 31st still means you were delivering them in March. That's so true. it doesn't have to be March 4th. I mean, <laughs> whenever whenever we see these, you know, delivering in March 2021, it doesn't mean it's March 1st or 5th. or It could be literally the 31 end days. of the month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll yeah. keep an eye on that. Ian, no matter what, I got to say, I love the interior, particularly the yeah. instrument and the dashboard. Oh, my God. Did they ever do a stellar job with that? Yeah. It's like that big, hor- giant horizontal screen with the binnacle over, over the steering wheel. Oh. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of traditional Model S owners happy. Uh, or for those who were hesitant to get an S initially, knowing the changes were coming, going, mm-hmm. are they going to do the three Y very minimalistic? Yeah. And they did a hybrid of the two. They really took yeah. the two concepts and said, we're going to merge a very futuristic design with this new display. And I love, love the wide display. I, it's it's so much better than the portrait display. Yeah. Um, I mean, most people even use their cell phones when they take pictures by turning it into landscape mode. So it's I think it's great. Yeah, I think it remains to be seen. Hopefully, what what happens with uh, with the Cybertruck, we'll have a discussion about that here in a second. Um, given the fact that they've gone, I mean, we know the Cybertruck is going to get a 17-inch horizontal screen, uh, but is it still going to get a binnacle as well, or is that still reserved for the higher-end cars? We'll see what, what transpires. But I, I'm so used to the Model Three layout now; it's like I I can't see myself having anything in front of me anymore. Although although I do have a product that I'm looking at that's kind of interesting. But that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> Um, speaking of Cybertruck, uh, we do have a little bit, well, not really an update, but, um, Elon was just replying to our friend John at Silicon Valley Owners Club 
that uh, he was just checking out the final design in the studio, saying the final design is looking really, really good. So everybody was jumping on saying, can we get some information? Uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, Elon had said that uh, they were probably going to show the Cybertruck in its final form. Yeah, maybe in a month or so. Obviously, that time has come and passed. Uh, personally, I don't think they're going to show anything until production's actually ready. This is just kind of how Tesla operates. They want to delight us. I'm hoping they didn't dumb it down. I'm hoping they keep the look the way it is. You know, add the usual mirrors, do the little f refinements and the touches. Um, really looking forward to seeing what the final product um, is, is going to look like. Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk, again, about them possibly scaling it down. Because at first they were saying, you know, back when Jay Leno had looked at it, he says, oh, we thought it was too big. We're going to scale it down to five. And then Elon said no. And then now he's back down to 3% again. <laughs> so it's like, guys, you know, you have a lead time here. You you got to finalize your design and order parts and, and production stuff. You can't be making changes last minute. You're going to delay this product. Uh, you know, we all know that there's always lead time with this stuff. And Elon just seems to, I don't know, he just gives me the impression he doesn't care. <laughs> well, he'll just make it happen. I mean, he'll bang his the entire industry will tremble and things will happen. I mean, we've seen it time and again. He just does stuff on timelines that are next to impossible. Yeah. So, speaking of which, since we're talking about the Cybertruck, um, there was some discussion online, Ian, that you uh, got involved with, and um, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Everybody wants to have a little piece on this, and you're talking about the stressed skin situation. Because I know there was a lot of noise made about when Elon said that it was going to be more like an airplane's wing and, uh, you know, the skin was going to be stressed and not an internal structure. And even myself, I got involved with the conversation in the sense that it's not just the stressed skin. There's more involved here. I mean, there's the castings. He did say that there's going to be castings for this thing. Um, it's going to have a structural battery pack. So anyways, I'll leave it with you. You say what you need to do and then we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. What, what were your thoughts uh, as far as that conversation was concerned? Well, first of all, yeah, this is a discussion I got in onto Twitter because somebody and um, maybe Trev, you can you can throw it up there at some point. We should have prepared and, and put the tweet up, but somebody put up this gorgeous rendering of what was essentially a Cybertruck wagon. It looked like you know an SUV. That was me. Or, uh, or you posted it originally. I did. I did. Originally. Okay. Well, I retweeted it, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I just don't know who the OP was, and I always like to give them credit. So whoever did the render did a stunning job on it, you know, and uh, I don't want to take anything away from that. And of course, a, a lot of us all had the same reactions like, oh, my God, it's the Cybertruck family truckster, <laughs> which is kind of what it looked like, right? In Here, the here's the tweet we're talking about. I said, yeah, I have bro, to admit, bro. I kind of like this. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. It's stunning looking. I absolutely love it. I mean, you know, I think the Cybertruck's a cool design. I think this is even better looking. And we've seen, you know, ever since the Cybertruck came out, it inspired a whole series of different design studies, right? I mean, people want a cyber sedan. They want a cyber roadster. They want a cyber coupe. I've seen every iteration of this. There's, there's no question it has a lot of influence uh, and it's generated a lot of back of the napkin ideas and some stellar like realistic rent there. 
But the one thing that keeps coming back, and it's just a pet peeve of mine, is people don't seem to understand how reliant this whole concept is on the fact that these are joined structures. In other words, it works like a pyramid or like a trust roof, if you will. And the fact that it's got this one angle at the top and that the, you know, the A pillar and the, the B pillar, if you want to call it that, it isn't really that. It's the entire structure of the truck joins and, you know, it's sort of acting like a box girder bridge. So you have this entire enclosed structure that's got three millimeters uh, thick steel, you know, enclosing it. And that has to do a lot of the work. I mean, we know there's going to be some reinforcements inside it. You know, uh, Sandy Monroe's talked about this. There's, we know there's castings underneath. There's obviously going to be hardened points for the suspension to attach to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in large part, in order for this thing to make any sense from uh, a weight ratio, that skin has got to do the job. And I mean, I listened very carefully to Elon when he explained this at the reveal. And he's like, this is really the, the primary strength of the truck. So it brings the cost down by having this one very, I wouldn't say simple, but relatively simple shape that they just fold sort of like a little bit like origami to create. And you eliminate a lot of these very complex little um, internal structures that you typically have to put into a, a unibody vehicle to do the same job. The other thing too is this has got to be way stronger than the regular unibody because this isn't going into a car or an SUV. It's a pickup truck and it's going to be tested and used like a real pickup truck. And to date, uh, the real markers for that um, market are, are body on frame trucks. I mean, you know, Honda's had the Ridgeline and we've seen a few other manufacturers kind of go at them with these hybridized pickup trucks, but none of the traditional pickup truck customers take them seriously because they don't have the towing capacity or the load capacity of a true body on frame truck. So when you look at that shape, don't for a second think you can saw big chunks out of it. Like we saw people, you know, cutting away that sort of flying buttress in the rear to give it a more conventional truck. Like, no, it's not happening. You're no. going to watch the bed fold up, you know, yeah. like an envelope. Like you, The you best you can do is probably build some kind of like camper insert or something like that. Yes. But but as far as modifying it, yeah. I mean, you know, somebody has modified that Model S where they made that, uh, what do they call it, a skating brake or something like that, or shooting brake, sorry. That's yeah. what they call them in England, uh, where they basically made a station wagon out of a Model S. But that's a different animal altogether. That's your traditional... Unibody. Unibody, and you can chop it up. I mean, a la, sure. a la, a la uh, truckla, you know, like yeah. Simone Yetz did. It's... But. It's super easy on a unibody just to put in, you know, a little more bracing, a little more trussing, wherever you want, you know, and boom, you're back to close enough rigidity that you can get away with it. This isn't that kind of party. Not at all. To your point, Trev, I think the only thing would be to put sort of like a, a wedge piece, a complementary like a reverse angle wedge piece on the back to sort of square off the back. And now if you want to put windows in that, you would have a wagon-esque shape. Um, yeah, so, so I, I have the screen from the Cybertruck up here uh, from the Cybertruck page. Now, this is not a 3D rent, uh, not a 3D design or anything like that, but we can probably glean a few things from this image. Namely, there's your external, you know, stress skin structure on the outs uh, on the outside. Um, but if you look very closely at the image, there are a bunch of stamped steel pieces on the inside as well. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of compound curves and stuff. Obviously, you can't do that with that thick stainless steel. So that's obviously going to be some stainless or some uh, some steel parts, um, you know, because you need to hang things like the instrument panel and the seat belts and your, uh, you know, your, your areas yeah. for your door closures, your seats, all that interior stuff needs a structure as well. Um, and then, of course, we're going to have castings, likely in the front as well as the rear, to handle the suspension stuff. But a lot of this stuff will be bonded somehow to the exterior strain, uh, um, to the skins. And the thing is, is you, I mean, the, 
I think a lot of people don't realize that when you when you take a structure like this and you cut holes in it, you have to reinforce it in some ways because you got all these closures, right? All the doors, everything you know in the automotive industry, they're called closures, which is all your doors and your trunks and stuff. Um, all of those areas have to be reinforced uh, because the doors. I mean, I mean, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that the doors are going to be very strong with internal bracing and structure and stuff. But you can't just have a, a, a sheet of metal and just hang plastic off of it. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen like that. Anyway, that that was it. Rant <laughs> over. I, uh, I I really I hate coming off as a killjoy. I hate being negative in any way. I hate you know destroying people's artistic dreams. But just take it easy with the Cybertruck concept stuff. I mean, if you want to use it as an idea, yeah. that's like, hey, we could use a Cybertruck and you know basically build a monocoque style vehicle, a unibody vehicle that imitates the style. I can see that happening. But it's going to be a lot more expensive to do. I, I, the, one of the first things I can see as far as bodies. Yeah, I think one of the first things to see as a body is concerned is like one of those truck caps and it'll be made yeah. in the Cybertruck style with, you oh, know, yeah. maybe not three millimeter thick stainless steel, but, you know, some kind of cladding, maybe aluminum or something like that. Just kind of mirror the style. I think that would be really cool. Um, there was a lot of discussion online as far as, um, of course, in the same vein here, as far as what they were going to do at the back end. Because I, I, I think most people, if they look at the truck, I mean, you can get used to the front and the side profile, but the back of the truck, there's just something about that flat expanse of backwards tilted uh, tailgate that really throws people off. He went um, completely, he was referring to it as the cyber dumpster or something like that. <laughs> that was Mark. He just could um, not get past that flat back. Uh, but I do want to bring up the picture that uh, our friend Mike at uh, Cyber Owners did. I'm going to bring up the picture here. Uh, just give me a second here to share up my screen. Oh, is this one with the embossing? Yes. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. So where is that picture that Mike did? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll find it. He posts a lot of stuff. He's yeah, on Twitter. It was a cool idea. Uh, uh, was it this? Yes, here it is, right here. That, my friends, I like that. And all he did was just take the back and just kick it in, maybe about mm, five inches, just on the bottom. Just brought it in yeah, a little bit. That little hole in the bottom, the logo in there. Yeah, and, and he added the the tail lights, you know, coming up on the side a little bit. I mean, perfect. that's nor there nor here or there. But but that simple crease in the in the door, in the in the tailgate, I think, drastically changes the look of the vehicle. I, I don't know what it is, but to me, this this is this is where it should be. Now, all things being considered, hopefully it doesn't affect you know the you know, the the sliding ramp that's built into it. I mean, who knows how Tesla's engineered that inside? But I don't know. Again, uh, what Tesla does and what we think they're going to do are two different things. But I, I like the idea of this one. It looks looks uh, looks quite good. So uh, kudos to uh, our friend Mike for doing that drawing. He did another one here. Oh, here, I'm going to bring this one up. Uh, sorry about jumping around here. I keep sharing my screen and stopping. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was interesting. This one's pretty cool. I like this idea here with the stylized Cybertruck name on the back. Remember when they did the intro? Yeah. They did this one-off uh, custom font. I think that looks pretty cool. I might do that in vinyl on the back. That would look pretty cool. Anyways, um, didn't I hear some time ago that Elon or somebody said, maybe it was even Franz, might have been on Ryan's podcast when he had Franz. They said that they weren't going to label the Cybertruck at all. It wasn't going to be badged. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm pretty sure that was on the Franz yeah. episode. I'll have to listen to it again. But, um, yeah, I mean... I mean, with a with a body like that, do you need to? No, that's that's. I think that was the point he was making. Is like, do you, no, there's not going to be a need to do this. You're mistaken, right? You know, 
Uh, so anyways, does that have to do Honda? I mean, come on, you don't. There's no need for that. Right. Well, that brings us to the part of the show where we answer your viewer and listener questions. I want to say thank you for everybody on Twitter who submitted that. By the way, when we do these shows, which either Wednesdays or Thursdays, um, follow my Twitter feed. I put out a questionnaire. If you want us to answer any questions on the show, you can fill those in. All right, uh, Eric, take it away. Who's got the first question for us? First question comes from Ben in Rocky Mountains, Colorado. Could the demise of the Model Y SR Plus be an indicator of the fate of the single motor Cybertruck? Ah, see, that's what we were going to talk about a little bit earlier. Um, And I've had this conversation with many people before. It's hard to say because, you know, when they introduced the Model Y, they said they were going to do a long-range rear-wheel drive variant of the car, which they haven't done and don't plan to, apparently. So there's precedent in there for them not delivering on something that they promised. Um, of course, if you look at the Cybertruck on the website, they say that they're going to do a tri-motor, an all-wheel drive, and a rear-wheel drive. Now, I know on the show, we've talked about this before, Ian seems to think, and, and rightly so, that uh, you need a low-priced vehicle for fleets, right? We've talked about that. Sure. However, by the same thing, Tesla doesn't seem to be afraid of canceling something if there's no demand or they feel that it's not in their best interest or whatever the case may be. So there's always a chance, you know, the, the, you know, what he's talking about here, the single motor rear wheel drive Cybertruck, despite the $40,000, this or slightly sub $40,000 price start may not end up being made. Who knows? I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy why. then for them not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think in order, certainly in the early, because, you know, there's so much concern about them being able to get to volume initially on it, just to get the thing out there, even if they don't make a huge amount of profit on the rear wheel drive ones initially, but just to get the thing up and running, to be able to to get the volume of scale, to, to get the economies of scale, sorry, is what I was meaning to say, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And for the fleet operators, there's a huge difference in price, certainly the way they're configured right now between the rear wheel and then when you go to the dual. So I, I can't see how they're going to drop it. It's a far more critical market. I mean, with the Y, you know, coming back to what Eric said, in a lot of areas, especially in the U.S., there's not a huge price gap, you know, especially when there's no incentives involved. It doesn't make that big a difference. But on the Cybertruck, it does. And it's a much more segmented, much more sensitive. You know, there's all sorts of little different market tranches from super cheap work trucks up to these $100,000, you know, King Ranch mobiles and everything in between. And you got to cover those bases if you really want to cover the truck market. Well, I don't, don't forget don't forget the, the plans have changed on the Cybertruck. Originally they wanted to do the rear wheel drive first and then the all wheel drive and the tri-motor were going to be later in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then because of demand or whatever the case may be, they flipped those around. So the tri-motor and the all wheel drive will be made first and then the uh, rear wheel drive will be made later. So to me, I mean, the way I read it is that is a demand situation. Most of the demand is probably for the higher end configurations. So, you never know. It might it might get the axe. Um, it also reminds me of something you were just mentioning, though, too, because um, if you've noticed um, recently, uh, there was a video, I think, that Casey Neistat posted, uh, retweeted for somebody on TikTok and stuff that showed the interior of the new F-150. Have you guys seen that? How yeah. the, the mid-bench comes down and it's got the laptop and all the storage? Holy mm-hmm. crap, that's cool. I hope we get something like that. I mean, one would hope. I mean, if you look at Tesla's history, is that... Yeah, yeah, the Model S was, I mean, if you think the Model 3 is really minimalistic, you haven't seen a Model S, <laughs> right? It doesn't even have door pockets, it doesn't have coat hangers, it doesn't have any of that stuff. So the Model S was the original, like, super mid-century modern, like, simplistic, you know, bear down. 
But as they've grown the product line, they've added more and more creature comforts. Model X had door pockets. Model S didn't. Uh, Model 3 now has, you know, door pockets and the, you know, the kangaroo thing in the back and the door hooks and all that other stuff. So I'm hoping that evolution of the next vehicle, which is namely Cybertruck, because Model Y is essentially just the Model 3. It's just a little bigger. I'm hoping the Model Y, or Cybertruck, I should say, um, would have a little bit more to be, I mean, if you're going to be in that market with everybody else, yeah. you're going to be competitive, right? And that's and it's not just on specs. You got to do the interior too. There's so much gadgety stuff now in trucks. I yeah. mean, in some ways they have way more features than than even some luxury sedans. You know, like they've that's been super competitive. Because let's face it, between the big three American pickup trucks, what is there between them? You know, there's a little bit of style difference. Everybody has their brand preference, but that's how they differentiate themselves. It's like you know, there there's like an endless amount of cubby holes and little things where you can put your computer and da, 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 da. they've just been developing, developing, developing that. So they're going to have to come out of the gate with something that's at least equivalent. Well, one would hope. Introducing the Cybertruck Kitchen Edition. Cook <laughs> your and have some fun at it. I mean, come on. Well, Elon did say some time ago that they were going to plan a bunch of sick accessories for the Cybertruck. Yeah. What those mean? Who knows? Um, as with anything, it always leaves uh, lots of doors open for third parties and other manufacturers to spruce it up and do all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, there's something to be said about having some of that standard stuff in the Cybertruck. Again, it opens up op opportunities for Tesla to do upgrades down in the future, too. Remember, Model 3 didn't have a charging pad, and it didn't have, you know, uh, you know the same center console since changed, right? It's, you know, been arguably improved for a lot of people. So, anyways. I, I mean, my sentiments really come down to... It's a good question asked by Ben, but we, we've come to know that whatever Tesla does initially at launch for any vehicle they've ever had, it always changes. The price changes, a feature changes, the colors change, what standard changes, like all these changes come around. It could be they launched an SR version of the of the Cybertruck and six months later, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Because the numbers don't warrant it or they find that it's cost effective to really just go dual motor or the the technology is so cheap now that it's actually cheaper to get a dual motor made anyway and you're actually saving money in the long run. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, I, I think the the thing that I've always thought about is it's a great uh, – it's like that interesting problem where if I have two different drink beverages, one's $3 and one is $7, you sort of just compare the two and you think, okay, which is the better deal? But if I throw in a third in the middle, it sort of distorts where the value is. Having just two options, and we've known this too, and even with their design study with other cars, the less options you have, the easier it is for them to not only have supplies in their warehouse or the factories to make the cars, but it's also easier for the buyer to config the car. Because if you have, this is really a matter of combinatorics, right? Let's go back to math. If, you, if I have three color options of this and seven colors of this, and so you start multiplying all the things together, you have how many different kinds of cars? You can't do that with any other auto manufacturer anywhere, right? Like you, you don't have like five color options and some things are off menu. And it's complicated from a build perspective because then you're like, well, how do we, how do we know what paint to get if we don't know when they're going to order that certain color? Um, so I, I think, I think it's we're jumping the gun so early because the car's <laughs> not out yet. Um, again, it's a good question to ask. It's good to have this kind of fodder. I just think it's premature because they could initially launch the SR and then find the numbers don't warrant keeping it, and then decide to kill it like they did with the Model Y. Whether it's for efficiency or other reasons, again, Tesla would have its reasons for doing so. But I think from a build standard, it's better just having all with dual motor. And I think I think most people would go that way if they're looking at 
if I'm going to use the truck for ABC reasons, I'm better off going with dual motor, especially if I'm going to go off-roading or camping or whatever it is, especially if you're in wintry conditions, you want the better traction, et cetera, et cetera, which we already know now, dual motor EVs do better. I, I'm with you on that. That's why both my reservations, one with FSD, one without, because I'm hedging my bets on that, um, yeah. both all-wheel drive. I, I want nothing to do with real-wheel drive. It's got to be all-wheel drive. The, 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 and your points are all well taken. There's no question it, it works better can keep the number of variants down. But this idea that, you know, Elon himself is complaining, oh, we've already got too much product complexity. Bro, I manage a vehicle database. That's what I do and get paid for all day long. Ford alone, if I count all the variants of F <laughs> entry in my database is a hundred and something entries long. Every combination of powertrain, bed length, uh, drivetrain, transmission, um, gross vehicle weight rating, suspension system that you can order, it's mind-numbing how many, you know, and they somehow manage it. I mean, you know, yeah. this is a super price competitive market, and they can offer a hundred different buildable versions of that truck. You're telling me you can't build five? Come on. Well, I also, I also would make this argument. If you think about grocery stores, um, there are major chains, Kroger's, uh, Publix, many others, right? Um, Wegmans, that sort of thing. If you think about Trader Joe's versus some of the bigger chains, if you go to uh, Publix, for example, and you go down the um, for paper towels or toilet paper or some staple like that, you'll find 25 different kinds of toilet paper, right? You go to Trader Joe's, you get two. And we've come to understand that when you have fewer choices, it's easier to make a decision. If you go to Cheesecake Factory, you will literally spend 30 <laughs> minutes reading a 125-page menu. But a lot of the, but a lot of a lot of exquisite fine dining restaurants or on cruise ships, for example, yeah. have five entrees. Yeah. That, that's what you're picking from. You're not picking 65, you're picking five. And it's part of it is it helps the kitchen staff in terms of preparing food and all this other stuff, but it just makes the experience overall for the consumer a lot easier. I don't wanna spend 25 minutes figuring out, well, this roll has a thousand sheets, but this one is dual ply. This one is actually good. So you yeah. drive yourself nuts. If I literally have two choices, it's a lot easier. Building cars to me, because of how much goes into that, is the logic behind it isn't that much different, but the complications are so much more than toilet paper. I think part of it, though, too, is if you look at it from, I mean, you look at BMW or Mercedes, um, that's more of a luxury segment, and those kind of buyers tend to be a little pickier. And so if you look at the product variations of that, I mean, you look at Apple, for example. You go buy a laptop, I mean, yeah, you can choose a screen size, RAM, and a hard drive, and that's yeah. it. I mean, it's, I'm a, oh yeah, three colors, two colors, maybe. Okay. Um, and that's about it. But if you go to BMW, Mercedes, whatever, or I'm sure if you went to Bentley, uh, oh God, I mean, the product variations, but that's a different segment, right? So I don't know. Does Tesla need to have as many variants as Ian says, a hundred and some odd variants of, of the same car? No, no. Not, not Can they? Maybe. But I mean... 10 is not out of the question. I mean, you know, 10 versus 100, is it's an order of magnitude less complications. You know what? But for me, as far as buying something like that, I'm just happy to pick, okay, um, I want a big battery. I want uh, all-wheel drive. Maybe choose a, an interior color, um, FSD, maybe a couple of accessories or something like that. And I, I'm, I'm kind of happy. Yeah. Um, that's just me. 
I, just, I mean, we see with Model 3 and Model Y, there's two interior colors. We know with S and X, there's more than two. But for Model 3 right. and Y, you don't hear a firestorm on social media like, why are there only white and black colors? Like, it's, it's well, the, if you, if it's you our, give... It's our normal, right? Right. But that's the thing, though. If you, if you initially present that and you don't know the alternative, then you have what you're given. That's, that's all you're going to be able to choose from. And you either go black looks good or white looks good or you either don't care and i think that if all of a sudden we see another vehicle let's say the you know what's called the model two the smaller version of the car please don't call it a model two right uh <laughs> <laughs> fine let's ca let's call it the tesla mini but whatever we're ever going to introduce down the road is like a twenty thousand dollar entry-level electric vehicle um it wouldn't surprise me if there's like one color option for your interior seating if, if there's like three paint colors like you don't have to go you know to diversify the different building options in the studio to really make the buying experience more complicated um it, and i and i understand that you want to reserve maybe more options for the higher cost vehicles maybe cybertruck has certain interior configs but like when i'm thinking creature comforts i think the semi truck like that's the one that's going to have like a great comfort mattress in the back and all kinds of cool amenities like that's the thing i think would be like the ultimate creature comfort vehicle uh because of its design but um the aftermarket space the accessory space a lot of these things we're talking about that people would like to see yeah you can certainly get that in the aftermarket and that's what that, that's what those companies are there for so ideally it benefits both for tesla to a keep it minimalistic from a cost perspective but also to allow those companies to be able to support the aftermarket products that help to give the look that makes your vehicle unique. So just out of curiosity, just to compare apples to oranges, if you will. Apples. <laughs> I mean, yeah, apples to apples. Uh, I brought up the uh, Rivian, uh, so you guys watching on YouTube can follow along here. I brought up the Rivian website and look at the R1T, which is their pickup truck. Just curious to see what kind of options they offer. So they offer an adventure package and an explorer package in two pack sizes 300 plus and 400 plus miles and then uh, let's see here two four six eight about nine. nine nine different colors um an off-road package four five five different wheels to choose from uh camp kitchen features uh add the camp add the wheels and then you go to your interior two colors of interior so ocean and black mountain although i think it changes for depending on the configuration that you that you get and that's about it. So not not 150, but certainly more than what Tesla offers at this point. So there's precedent. And like I said, I was just curious to see somebody who's in the same space. Sector. I mean, it, you yeah. know, I uh, I mean, how many people are going to be cross shopping a Cybertruck with an F-150? I don't know. There's people going to want an EV, obviously, but you know, am I going to look at pick? Oh, I saw this neat Cybertruck. Oh, it's an EV. It doesn't matter to me. I'm also looking at the F-150 or Ram or whatever. I don't know. I think more people are going to be cross shopping with, you know, with the Rivian. Personally, that's just my personal opinion. So, anyways, just, I, you know, I just thought I'd take a look. But anyways, um, and you know, we're talking about essentially the same time frame for both of these vehicles being on the market, which is early 2022. Um, Cybertruck, we'll see. I think it's going to be more like a Q2 type to, type of vehicle. But I also think Tesla's more profitable having less options. Just my thought. Well, I would hope. It, there's no question. Simplicity lends itself to uh, profitability. But at some point, do you limit yourself if you're not giving all the choices that consumers want? I think in the early phases, they've proven with the cars 
that it works. You know, this this sort of um, Apple-like philosophy. It's like, well, here you go, any color you want, as long as it's white, type of thing. Or not far off that. It's like there's mm-hmm. you used a beautiful example, Trev, with the computers. You know, like the uh, the Mac computers are are very simple and straightforward in their choices compared to most of the PC offerings. So it works now, but I think down the road, if they want to really keep the expansion going, they're going to have to, they're going to have to uh, expand outwards, especially at the higher end. Because like you said, when you look at the, I personally think the lineup now from Mercedes and, and BMW is, is gone completely. Oh, yes. You don't it's need bananas. 27 body styles. It's completely, completely out of mental, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Have you but seen how many cars BMW offers now? Oh, Even no, in no. the X series? I, remember me have to manage all this stuff and oh, like every option and every engine and every oh my gosh. Oh, no, a no, two, no. a three, a four, a five, a seven, a, an eight, yeah. an X, a Z, an M, an I series. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's just complete. I, I remember when I bought my first BMW, this was around uh, 1996 or so. There was a three, a five, and a seven. That was it. Yeah. You know? And of course, yeah, the SUV craze took over, and then of course, I just, I just, I'm a firm stuff. believer in we, we, we overcomplicate things in many companies. Uh, shopping for something at Costco is so much easier than shopping on Amazon. Like yeah. you, you look for a single thing on Amazon, and you're just scouring through how I, many pages and different variants. I gotta, share, I gotta share the screen. This now. is 24 count. This is 64. This is a 10 count. Like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> but if you go to Costco, here are the three light bulbs. All right. Yeah. Here's BMW's site. I'm on the Canadian site, so don't be freaked out if you see prices that'll look a different. All right. So here's what they <laughs> offer. Right. Three model. Uh, three model. Well, three BMW two series. Oh my God. Here we go. Two, so, yeah, two threes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Here's three fours. Uh-huh. One five. Uh huh. One five. Four oh sevens. God. Oh my gosh. Three eights. And how many X's? <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> oh my gosh. A whole page full. Uh, one Z, beautiful car. I used to have a Z3. And then look I at the M the series M and the, all the M's. But look at the X just uh, like wow. out of control. But yeah. that's what's selling, right? SUVs. That's yeah. all. Yeah, that's what's happening. And they somehow still make money at the end of the day. So I guess they in business. All right. We've beaten this horse to death. What's the next question, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I feel like we can get another 30 minutes out of it. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I am not reading this Twitter user has asked from Redwood City, California. Has anyone been able to get the Tesla to credit the value of the EMMC recall towards an MCU2 upgrade, especially if the EMMC recall parts are in short supply and won't be available until the spring? Very good question. I have not seen anything along that front. My personal opinion right now, um, Tesla might be bad, but... I would hold off on upgrading any MCU2s because this this recall is a pretty big deal. So if they're going to recall, I would wait it out and see what happens. If they offer you an MCU2 free of charge as part of the thing, if this... I mean, keep in mind, they're not... The EMC is is a a chip. It is a memory chip on the board. It's not the whole board. So, And I, I haven't really looked into it, so I don't know exactly how they're going about this, whether they're swapping boards as a whole or it's a little daughter card or they're just taking the daughter card out and then hot soldering or air soldering because you can you can do that and swap out the, the chips i don't know exactly how they're going about it so at this point it's kind of unknown i i think people that are interested in this really should let the dust settle and see what happens now what he's asking about here is because the MCU2 is an upgrade that you uh, could have paid for, and Tesla did mm-hmm. reduce the price before they did this official recall. So the people that have bought the MCU2 
um, are now asking for some kind of like refund or whatever, because now I spent the money now that it's an official recall. So that's where he's asking uh, to see if there was any kind of um, uh, like a credit for that, for getting like instead of waiting for the retrofit or where the case or not the retrofit. Mm -hmm. Getting a credit to get the MCU to upgrade as opposed to some kind of, you know, compensation for the recall. I think that's how I read it. Could be. Anyways, so my answer is no. I haven't heard of anything along those lines. As far as I understand right now is that they're doing the recall, and when your number comes up, they will call you, and uh, they're going to replace it. Now, whether they offer you an MCU 2 as part of the deal or for some kind of upgrade fee, I, I have no idea. Keep in mind, the MCU 2 is a complete board upgrade. The EMC is a small component part of it. So don't expect too much as far as I'm concerned at this point. So, All right. Last question. Last, last question is from Perstoltz in Norway. As I live in Norway, I'd like to see a winter mode where we'd be able to choose between and all-wheel drive settings. Uh, is that something that could happen to you guys? Yeah, if you have a performance Model 3, sure. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> We have the full candy store when it comes to all of that stuff. Yeah, um, I'll be the first one to say I've been lobbying since day one that the rear-wheel drive and, and the basic dual-motor cars have at least a couple of more choices. Um, you know, at very, very minimum, some sort of a sport mode for the electronic mm -hmm. stability control so that you can get a little bit of drift on, you know. Like if you buy the base, base, base cheapest Audi A3, A4, BMW 3 Series, whatever, you know, the cars that are competitive with Model 3, they all have that, you know, it's pretty much just a dumb switch that does one thing, but at least it lets you have a little fun. Unless you go to full performance uh, in, the, in the Model 3, you don't get that at all. It's all about the base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I think, yeah, I think there's room for improvement there, but at the same token, I think that they're terrified that if they give too much to the, the basic cars, then there's less incentive to, to move you up to a performance model, which is obviously where they make huge margins. So I... Mm -hmm. The struggle is real, but still, you know, like I would love to see the base cars get a little bit exactly of what first I would agree on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're being facetious because, you know, we, you know, we have the performance cars, but I would agree with you on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, kind of, no, I mean, I, it doesn't I, take much for them sure. to do. I mean, if you really yeah. want to, you can just pull an ABS sensor and you can hoon all day long, but not safe. Well, aren't our friends at uh, at Mountain Pass uh, doing something with their their little box? I have to talk to Sasha with his party box. I'm pretty sure he can do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I exactly. I, I you know well, he did do it with, his, with his Model Y. He's got a party right. box for the Model Y now. Exactly. So I mean, you know, once warranties are expired, if you want to start messing around, you can. <laughs> no question. I wouldn't do it under warranty. No way, no how. But. Uh, but once the warranties are up, I mean, that's that's where it'll get fun. I mean, you know, the aftermarket will will definitely get us there if if Tesla doesn't want to do it themselves. But I'd like to see them do something like that. I don't think it's unreasonable. No. Speaking of warranty, Ian, where are you, where are you sitting with your car in terms of mileage? And there ain't much left, buddy. I'm at uh, seventy two thousand kilometers. So what's that? About forty six, forty seven thousand miles. I'm almost oh, out. No, that's more than that. A little over two years, and I will have killed the warranty. Yeah. Let me, let me, I'm going to look at mine while we're, uh, when you guys are chatting, just to kind of see here. I am at uh, 39353. So, uh, thanks, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> face ID. Um, I'm just curious with my car and see what I'm seeing out. You guys are going to laugh at me. I'm at 40,700 kilometers exactly. That's still not bad. That's, I mean, you no, guys I'm doing yeah. really good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing really good on that front. Um, my my largest commutes now are like running to the grocery store, except my shopping, stuff like that. Except my supercharging. 
Get out of here, man. Like, get, get out of here. You know, I quit. I'm, never gonna I'm, not, even, I'm not even waiting for show 100, you jerk. <laughs> because I have it for as long as I own the car, but I paid an extra six grand what, to get what, it. So. What, what was the expiration date on your numbers there, uh, Trevor? Um, mine are good until April of 2023. So if I get the truck and the roadsters, I'll, I'll be covered for a little while. If you, you know what? If you just, if you just afterward long off now and you get the show posted, just go ahead and start driving to British Columbia and then just start going back and forth a few times looking for a new house. Hey, you know what? If this COVID thing kind of relaxes, uh, we've decided that our summer trip this year is going to be out to Vancouver. So maybe, you know, August, September, we might head out west. So the, the debate is, do we bring the car or do we fly? What's that, Ian? We lightning run it back. Oh, <laughs> I you know what? No, the hell with that. Do the lightning run there? Yeah. Don't, don't like do it both ways, man. Come on, see if you're faster one way versus the other. Uh, we'll see. In the summer months, we'll certainly beat the seventy-three hours. And just hey. get like a bladder bag so you can actually just go to the bathroom in the car. You know, just, uh, you know. You no, no, that's what winter wiper jugs are for. Winter <laughs> exactly. wiper, winter wiper fluid jugs are for. Oh goodness. Well, any other closing thoughts before we wrap this one up, boys? Ah, uh, man. Um. Uh, I will say, just very vaguely, if you are uh, a bad person who does bad things and you're not very intelligent, they will find you. <laughs> yes. That's it. Well, there's just, no context. Yeah. just no context. Yeah, just no context. That's, that's a, that, that was referring to a whole discussion we had before there's the show. There's a story so, there. Yeah. Tell it another time. Yes. Well, um, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the show. So I want to say thank you for everybody cool. for listening. Uh, Eric, since you're on screen, why don't you tell us where you can find... Uh, you if you want to have a chat with you online. sure thanks so much uh so first things first you can find me on twitter the handle is ecfix that's e-c-f-i-x if you're watching on youtube you see my handle right there in the bottom corner i also have a weekly podcast called call me curious it's a 10 minute podcast uh each episode is designed to give you 10 facts 10 random disassociated facts about the world around us and uh provide some interesting context to life in general but also with some whimsical puns by me um, each episode again is about every, uh, I'm sorry, each episode is about 10 minutes, comes out about every Wednesday right now. Uh, it's back from a hiatus, a long, long hiatus, uh, from last it's year. It's a great show though. It's a pretty good show. Um, we're on ep episode 33, just dropped today when we're taping on the 24th. Um, we feature stories, uh, like how a queen, uh, came to owning two tricycles, uh, by its inventor. Uh, we learned how brain... Uh, synapses basically just go, they shrink down while you're sleeping, uh, which actually helps with your cognitive ability. Go figure, which doesn't seem like it works for me very much. <laughs> and we also discovered that um, pigeon poop was used for weaponry uh, back in the day. So all kinds of really weird, random SHIT we discover on the show. Um, so weekly podcast comes out, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's uh, hosted on Anchor, but you can get it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it. It's out there. So just search for Call Me Curious, uh, subscribe, rate, review, uh, and uh, let me know what you think. Again, every roughly every Wednesday now, again, it's 10 minutes. In the time you're making pancakes or getting dressed in the morning uh, or berating your kids for not doing their homework, uh, you can listen to a show. So do it, get smarter, be ready for trivia nights, all that good stuff. Please go subscribe. It's an awesome show. Thanks. All right, Ian, you're next. All right. Well, on Twitter, you can find me. Uh, the name is at Ian Pavelko. Pretty straightforward. At the Tesla Owners Online Forum. The handle is uh, at Mad Hungarian. Happy to help you with any questions there, either on the forum format or on direct message with uh, Twitter or in the open public space, as it were. 
And uh, finally, if you're looking for something interesting in the way of EV wear, you can always go to uh, teespring.com, look up Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear, and uh, get yourself something in the uh, Evolve Wear line. And I'm proud to announce I did my first space-based artifact. Yes, yes I'm going to bring it up here so everybody can I, see I, it. I thank YouTube. Eric for that one because we had a little discussion uh, on our little private chat group. And we were talking about that um, last week when Perseverance was was landing and all the hype was going on. They did a comparison between the uh, the new wheels on Perseverance versus the old ones on uh, on Curiosity, Where and they it? literally worn holes in the wheels of the Curiosity Rover. That's how much mileage they put on this thing in the last oh, yeah. year. It's um, are you not seeing it, Trev? It should well, I'm, be. I'm on page five, and I still haven't found it. My God, you got so many different shirts, dude. Yeah, I know. Kind of crazy. I have it on mine. I can share it from my screen if you want, but I mean, mm. it should be there somewhere. But if you're watching on YouTube, I am modeling one of the original designs for yeah, yeah, mass adoption. Adoption, exactly. So anyway, I, I I thought a cool idea to do with is is a, it's a little close you know up. What, I'll the, pull it up on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. Find find it on Twitter. But yeah, I I couldn't resist doing a little a little themed of this. <laughs> well-worn rover wheel <laughs> it was just too good not to do something so that's, that's uh, ian where did you put it my god you're oh, just as busy as i am on twitter bloody hell ian's very jiff happy seriously my god looking at my feed i am you're, i'm looking you? at your hey, tweets hey, i'm looking hey, at your back. replies too my oh, yeah. gosh no, no. dude all right. Well, anyways, rove it like you stole it that's what it's yes, called exactly. <laughs> what happens if i share my screen now uh try it what do you see Continue with share screen. Ta-da! Can you see it? I cannot. No way. We, we see we see your shiny mug. That's all we see. <laughs> I, it won't let me do it. Oh. But if you want to if you want to see it, go to a short story oh. and see it, or what you can I go doing? follow him on Twitter. And no, no, I, I got it. I got, got it. I got it. What did you do? I got it. I got it. It's right here. Teespring. What great what, this is like a stall. It. This show could not end in. This is our finest ending ever. <laughs> I love it. It's a great shirt. Go check it Look out. Buy one. Wear it with pride. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Ian. Well, I guess that leaves me. If you want to follow me, quite active on Twitter, the handle's Tesla Owners Online. Check out the forum, teslaownersonline.com. It is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Best place to go talk about Tesla. We just did a software update on the thing, and it's going like crazy. But uh, please, go sign up. It doesn't take you anything. It's uh, Like I said, it's totally free. If you're on Twitter or Facebook or Google, it's a two-click affair, and you can join. That doesn't take very long. And uh, that's about it. Oh, I want to say thank you to our, our sponsors, the guys at EvanX and the guys at uh, Fine Lab. They do uh, great work. So thank you for being continued sponsors. We really appreciate it. And uh, that's the end of this show. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. And we'll see you next time, guys. See ya. Bonsoir, tout le monde.